Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 238 of Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> is this exactly what you wanted to do on your birthday? Create another podcast? You know I'm happiest when I'm executing a project. Yes, I do. I am too. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. uh, this is like, I couldn't spend this next hour just just like laying down somewhere no well you could but i would be very stressed out anyway um we are going to springboard off of our last week's podcast where we talked about well last week's podcast we talked about four common obstacles in sequencing yeah and one of them was that we feel this stress and urgency uh to be new and fresh and create different flows and yeah. keep our and make sure our students aren't bored right when really that's can be kind of an obstacle that we create our, yes. for ourselves yeah i think the primary um the primary obstacle is lack of consistency and there are various reasons why we lack consistency in our sequencing and one of those is the feeling of that we have to be new and different and, and inventive and creative all of the time. I and, wanted, you, oh, and we want to be those things. Don't get me wrong. We want to be those things sometimes, maybe even frequently, but not all the time. Yeah. You, you want to get a word in. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to add, because this is something that came up in my... Um, I do these monthly live calls for the Content Blueprint students, and it kind of came up in that too, right? We feel the same way about creating yoga content. Totally. Any content. We feel, and I feel it, I, I will freely admit, there's just this, you look around and people are doing so many interesting creative things that you feel this like urgency and this pressure. And But for at least with content, when we focus too much on trying to create something new and trying to create something on the fly and na 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 we sort of ignore our core messages. We ignore the reality that we're trying to teach someone something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like if I have a fashion Instagram account and every day I show myself in a different outfit, well, that's fine, right? Um, but that doesn't really have anything to do with teaching people how to do something. So I want to go back to this concept of introducing novelty and following it through until there's skill development and mastery, right? And we talked about this last podcast, but before we get into the very practical ways that we can maintain greater consistency, both for the benefit of our students and the sanity of ourselves, we I want to get this concept out of first and foremost, yoga is in the business of skill acquisition, right? <clears throat> the, there's no there's no possible read on yoga in any of the traditional um, arenas in which yoga is just you doing whatever and having no desired outcome. Yoga is and always has been a very outcome-oriented skill development body of work. Mm -hmm. And so whether that skill development is creating more passive range of motion or more active range of motion or more accurately... Uh, more self-knowledge and transcendence and an understanding of ourselves and our metaphysical role in this universe. We are, as yoga teachers, trying to learn things and we're trying to teach things. And so when we're trying to learn and teach, we have to consider both of these poles. Newness, 
freshness, novelty. And when I say novelty, I don't like I don't mean that in any disparaging way. Like it's I don't mean novelty as trivial. Right, okay. I mean novel is new. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And we need that. We crave that as humans. And as a yoga teacher, don't get me wrong, like you need plenty of freshness. You need plenty of newness, and so do your students. However, we also need enough consistency with what's new and enough follow-up with what's new that there is an increased scope of skill. That something that was introduced as new is then repeated enough for long enough that it's not new anymore, mm-hmm. that it's actually acquired. Mm-hmm. Acquired maybe to the point of mastery. So what we need is we need newness, but we also need repetition. Mm-hmm. And I think that in <clears throat> I think that in our broader culture, both the broader yoga culture, but the broader culture in which we are in, um, we under we we implicitly understand the value of newness, but we don't necessarily understand the value of repetition, mm-hmm. right? And so there are many different ways as yoga teachers to be fresh, to be new, to be innovative, but then stick with those things that were new for long enough through repetition that the students grow and develop uh, and that they acquire those skills and that they move forward. Yeah. So you're going to talk about what those things are, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about different ways of doing it. Okay. Right. I'm going to talk about different ways of doing it and I'm going to mostly constrain myself to sequencing. Right. And so I, I want to, there's, there's one more tiny little tiny, tiny, tiny background uh, that we talked about briefly last week, but I want to acknowledge, which is we have two pretty consistent models of sequencing in contemporary yoga. We have the set sequence model, and then we have the everything is always different model. And there, and those are opposite models, and there's almost no in-between. So the set sequence model, obviously the various types of hot yoga, ashtanga yoga, Bikram yoga, um, even Baptiste, some other things, right? And and there are really good things about set sequences. Do not get me wrong. And set sequences work really well for a lot of teachers and a lot of students for a period of time and sometimes forever. So I'm in no way disparaging the value of a set sequence, but but I want us to acknowledge that that is a particular model. And then the other model is everything is always different And if anything is the same, maybe it's the same. Maybe the sequence is the same for a week. Like we did this radical thing where we focused on a thing for a week. But in this model, more or less every class might follow a loose framework, right? But more or less every class is entirely different from the previous class. And so these are are really the two complete polar opposites and... Like the set sequence model, the everything is always different model works very well for some students and some teachers for a period of time and sometimes forever. There's nothing implicitly wrong with either of these poles, but I prefer to combine them. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And this will be our avenue for looking at the different ways we can bring greater consistency while also having novelty and newness and freshness so it sounds like you're saying there's a middle path i think there's a middle path Mm -hmm. 
where we take the best of both. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm not disparaging either of these because there's really good things about these. Sure. Right? And we did talk about a little bit about that in a previous episode that you do, when you're teaching a 200-hour, mm-hmm. you offer set sequences. Totally. You share with your students set sequences that they can use when they start out. Yeah. Um, so where do you where do students grow from there into the... Or maybe just explain what the middle path is. So here's the middle path. And and as we talk about the different ways of bringing greater consistency while still having some novelty and freshness, um, let's do version, let's, let's do, let's look at the first way. Okay. And, and some of the listeners are going to hear this and they're going to be super happy and relieved and think that's a great idea. And then other listeners are going to recoil with shock and horror and fear. Okay. Okay? So the most overt way of being more consistent and blending these two modalities is to teach the same sequence for about a month. So essentially you develop a set sequence 12 times a year. And I'm just throwing a month out there because it's a convenient number. It might be three weeks. It might be five weeks. But essentially, you in your own practice or however you develop your sequences, you decide, I'm going to focus on these few poses. I'm going to focus on this region of the body. I'm going to focus on this philosophical or spiritual teaching or attribute. And I'm going to come back to it and I'm going to teach the same flow for an entire month. So let's say you have a Monday, Wednesday evening class. At Same 6 class. Monday and Wednesday. Same. For four weeks. Tuesday morning, same. Huh. Thursday evening, same. Saturday afternoon, same. Same, 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 same. So and let, you have not experienced any attrition from this. Uh, okay, let's pause that first. Okay. Okay, so. Asking you the hard questions. So, um... Let, let's 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 acknowledge the first thing, which is who is going to lose their mind first? The teacher. The teacher. So this is hardest on the teacher. Do not get me wrong. And 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 so I'm starting with the like the most same consistent option, and then I'm gonna and oh, then I see. right. Okay, sorry. So I'm gonna give several different methods. Got it. Of being more consistent with your sequencing and more consistent with your teaching. And having a better blend of novelty and consistency. And I'm starting with the most, I don't want to say rigid's not the right word. Well, but like the structured. most the most structured, mm-hmm. the most conservative, the most consistent. Okay. And then I'll kind of like I'll I'll kind of um, make it easier for some to swallow as we go down the the path. Okay. Okay. So the teacher is probably going to get bored. But I taught Ashtanga yoga for over two years, and I didn't really get bored. I taught seven classes a week. They were all primary series classes. I did that for two years. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get bored because it became because it's its own thing. There's so many things other than sequencing. Yeah, you notice a lot of different things. Right? And so this is one of the good things about teaching a set sequence is you don't spend your whole time in class sequencing. You spend a lot more time seeing listening if you give manual adjustments giving manual adjustments hearing the breath hearing the breath relaxing giving some space Mm -hmm. seeing your students and noticing like okay next month i think we can really move on from this like their their bakasanas are really looking good maybe we 
do a Bakasana combination or Bakasana to Chaturanga or Bakasana to Shirshasana 2. The thing is, is if you're spending a lot of time and every class is always different, it's really hard to gauge the postural skill level, not the quality of your student's yoga. That obviously goes beyond the mat, right? But you, this, your student's postural skill level and current abilities. It's really hard to actually pay attention. So when you stay the same, and when I say the same, I mean more or less the same. I mean like 100 to 90% of classes the same. But it does, it's not like you have to, it's not like you absolutely have to memorize. And, and if you did side angle pose and then triangle pose one night and then you switch them the other night, it's not like that isn't sure. the same, right? There's no, no alarms are going to go off. So is there attrition? So attrition is really difficult to gauge. So what I want to do is I want to step back and say, is Ashtanga yoga a popular style of yoga? Is hot yoga a popular style of yoga? Is Bikram yoga popular? Is Baptiste yoga popular? Every style of yoga that has set sequences are some of the most globally in-demand and popular styles of yoga that exist and that have existed for decades. People like to know what they're going to get. That's why Starbucks is so successful. Right? <laughs> and especially when you have students that, you know, maybe they get to practice one to three times a week. And they don't really want to leave it to chance. Every, so many things in our lives are really chaotic. Mm-hmm. And so people, when they come to yoga, they, like, they want a teacher they can relate to. They want a supportive community. They want all those things. But I think that they also often like a predictable environment, right? Sure. And so this is one of the many reasons that it is an upside to be relatively consistent, okay? The other thing to remember is that even our most fervent, consistent student probably only comes three classes a week. Right. Three times four, same 12 classes. I That student probably isn't going to notice it's the same class until... The third, fourth class. Yeah. Yeah. Or not like you're trying to pull a fast one, right? No, no, but no. it's like, so the other thing is oftentimes what I'll do, and I want, to, I want students to kind of, I want all our listeners to hear this, right? And ignore whether, you not, whether or not you like the things that I, I'm going to pretend that we're going to focus on, okay? So ignore that fact. But imagine you came to class and you're sitting, you say, all right, everyone, thanks for coming to class, blah, blah, blah. All right. This next month, we're going to keep the consistent, we're going to keep a pretty consistent sequence. It's going to be the same-ish. Um, and we're, we have a couple of focal points. We are going to work on strengthening our anterior core. So our hip flexors, our anterior abdominals, and we're going to add our inner thighs. So we're going to do a balanced, complete practice, but we're going to focus on strengthening anterior core. And we're also going to focus on um, increasing our skill and experience level with the entire Bakasana family. So all six poses in the Bakasana family. And then we're also going to focus a little bit more on our forward bends. Okay. So we're going to keep it consistent so that, um, you have a, we have a little bit more time and consistency and ability to develop these parts of our body and our attributes. Okay. All right, let's go. Everyone down dog. I think, I think that in general, okay, surveys are always skewed by who's giving them. In my experience, 
of doing this, I have only increased not only um, the number of students, but the consistency of students because they feel like there's a plan. Mm -hmm. They feel like there's something there, right? Mm -hmm. They're still going to get a balanced and comprehensive practice. Mm -hmm. We're still going to do sidebends. We're still going to do twists. We're still going to do standing poses. We're still going to do sun salutations. We're still going to do backbends. So we're going to do a little bit of everything because it's a vinyasa class. So I'm not worried at all about it being too focused on one part of the body or too focused on certain postural topics because those are just our focal points, right? It's still a balanced vinyasa format, so we're going to do a little bit of everything. But those students see, oh, not only am I going to feel good, but I'm actually going to develop certain strength and certain skill and certain abilities. And for better or for worse, and I always feel a little weird saying this in the context of yoga. I I honestly do. But we're pretty biologically primed to be motivated by personal progress. Mm -hmm. And so when you see like at week two, Bakasana is feeling a little bit better and Parsha Bakasana is starting to come or the more seasoned students, like they're liking that they get to go from different versions of Bakasana to Chaturanga and their core is feeling like a little bit sore and that feels like, oh, this is a good thing. We, we do tend to be motivated by that feeling of going in a direction. Yeah, and reward. I mean, it's rewarding. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is, right? And again, it's not like I'm not without some philosophical existential conflict around that. I, <laughs> I am. Yeah. But I'm also realistic with our biology. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that our biology is driven in that direction. Well, it doesn't exclude, you know, having an internal quieting... Uh, experience that is beneficial to the nervous system is not exclusive from progressing in physical postures. Right, right. And this is a very, so this is a very project-oriented modality. Mm -hmm. And you said at the very beginning, happy birthday, this is what you want to do. And yeah, it is because it's a project. Mm -hmm. So this works very well for people that like projects, Mm -hmm. you know, and then might some people get bored? Maybe. But I think that I think that we are at much bigger possible attrition by people not making progress. Mm-hmm. By pu- people not seeing continuity. By people not seeing that there's a plan here. Mm-hmm. That I'm a teacher and I'm going to try to teach you something. And you're going to have a good class. Don't get me wrong. But if you take... I- I'll put it another way. If you take 12 classes with me, you sure as hell better have learned something. I better have... I don't want just... Yes, do I want you to feel good for those 12 classes? A hundred percent. And nothing I could teach you would be in any way valuable if you didn't feel good. But feeling good and learning something are not mutually exclusive, right? So if you take 12 classes with me, I will feel satisfied as a teacher if I know that you have learn some things even if it's as mundane as where to put the hand in bakasana Mm -hmm. or maybe how to deal with your frustration or your insecurity about bakasana's still not coming along or Mm -hmm. your ego because you got you think you have like the best bakasana on on the earth which you don't i do (laughs) you know what i mean maybe before your 47th birthday oh my god (laughs) 
No, it's just lights, angles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> filters. Behind the scenes, tears. Yeah. But but so so, so, you- so that is so I've done that FYI for years. This is how I've taught all my public classes. The more the, the most conservative model. Way conservative. Okay. Because I wanted to like, I wanted, I got to a place where I just didn't want to teach public classes anymore. I just hated teaching them because it was just so random. I just felt like I was, I was helping people feel good, but I just felt like, I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but I just felt like an exercise instructor. Don't give me, I love exercise. Well, the funny thing is, here's a funny thing. I bet it's the same with certain exercise classes. I mean, if you, when I think about the dance classes that I did, um, especially jazz, like more so jazz than ballet for some reason, but, um, God, I am dating myself by calling it jazz, but it was called jazz when I was, what's it called now? Uh, jazz is just not that popular anymore. It would be like lyrical or, you know, yeah. Uh, lyrical is just like more popular, but, um, anyway, you know, you would learn, uh, combination right toward the end of class like you'd learn some choreography and you might do that choreography for a month right you know you might and it would just be once a week but still and anything that you did to build up to that choreography same thing you would you're building up to that choreography and the muscles you need to learn that choreography or like the the certain steps or whatever so it's it's probably the same in like zumba class or i would i don't know maybe it's not it's only one way to find out yeah but so here's another thing too right which is Part of the reason as a yoga teacher that I just stopped teaching completely random classes was because when everything was always random, there was a ceiling that where, where people weren't, they weren't learning new postures. Mm. They weren't learning. Now, is everything about learning new postures? No, it's not. But I wasn't able to expand the postural vocabulary Literally the names of poses, but also the ability to do poses, right? We were always stopping at Urdhvadanyarasana, or if it was Bakasana, it was Bakasana, but it wasn't Ekapada Bakasana 1, or Ekapada Bakasana 2, or Parshra Bakasana, or transitions in and out, because in, because there is a certain demand level, and there's a certain skill level in yoga postures, that you actually have to practice those things consistently to be able to do them, Right. So it was kind of like I wasn't, I wasn't able to increase the postural skill level of, of my students. And so I had fewer things to draw on, postures, to teach because I wasn't being consistent. And the only way I could get everyone in that room to either do Ekapada Galavasana or know how to do the preliminary work of Ekapada Galavasana is if everyone did it three or four times a week for three or four weeks in a row, right? I say this all the time to students, like sometimes you can't do a pose because you're not strong enough. Totally. There's plenty of those that I fit the bill. Sometimes you can't do a yoga pose because you're not flexible enough. Totally. I fit the bill on plenty of those. But also a lot of times you can't do the yoga pose because you just don't know how to do the yoga pose. Right. That's so true. Right. Like you don't know know the mechanics. You don't know the mechanics. You don't know where the leverage is. You don't understand the coordination. Like these are complex neuromuscular patterns. Mm -hmm. So if you think to yourself, oh, I don't know how to throw a ball. You probably don't lack the strength to throw a ball. I'm not saying you can't throw it a mile. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just laughing because it's like I I still at my I've never learned to throw a ball. Okay, so you use the right word. You've never learned to throw a ball. Right. But it wouldn't be like, I'm not flexible enough to throw a ball. I'm not strong <laughs> enough to throw a ball. It's like, no, you just don't know the coordination. Yeah. You don't know how to move the body. And so in order to do that, you don't need to do a bunch of random things and then hope magically you'll learn that thing. You need to actually repeat that skill. Um, I want to ask you a question. So do you ever, let's say, you because you were talking about the Bakasana family. So do you ever do something where the first week, like, you're working on the foundations of Bakasana and Bakasana, and then you're adding more poses from that family week over week. So step number two. So that first way of doing it is be like, here's pretty much a set sequence. And we're just gonna we're just gonna drill the sequence. Another way of doing it is um, so second way of being more consistent is essentially to do what people do when they do peak pose sequencing, but instead pick a whole peak family and develop it over about a month. Yeah, like right? unpack that family. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So in this situation, you might start, let's, let's start with the same postures. Let's start with Bakasana family and anterior core. And it's a balanced vinyasa practice, okay? So you're not going to just spend 60 or 90 minutes cranking on your abdominals and trying to do Bakasana. That would be an awful yoga class, okay? And then if it was like that, we would have to worry about doing that too much in a month and not doing other things enough. So all of this hinges actually on having a balanced template, okay? So in this model, you take about a month and you just work the content. You just say, okay, everyone, for about a month, we are going to focus on developing, let's say, let's, let's do it differently, okay? For this month, we're going to focus on strengthening the back body. So hamstrings and the other hip extensors, spinal muscles, posterior shoulders, and we're going to work on lengthening your front body, right? Opening up hip flexors and quads and front of shoulders. And as we do that, we are going to build out our, our back bends, right? Nothing abrupt, nothing harsh, but we're going to build them out. So week one, you do though you have those focal points, but you just do more or less simple backbends. You do your locusts, you do your cobras, you do your camels, you do your bridges, you do your upward bows. Week two, and again, as everyone's listening to this, what I want to ask you to do is think mostly about the concept because concepts are transferable because you might be thinking, oh, but I have less seasoned students or I have more seasoned students. You figure out the intensity, but get the get the concept. So second week, we think we start doing one leg stuff, right? So maybe we do a bunch of different locust variations where you're where you're lifting one arm and the opposite leg. Then maybe when we get to camel pose stuff, we do one armed camel poses, kind of rotated camel poses. And we get to bridges, we work a different variations, a one-legged bridge and then upward facing bow. We work on our first version of upward facing bow with one leg, third week and so on. So essentially you take focal points, you keep the focal points consistent 
for a period of time and you slowly and progressively build up into them. Um, this is these first two things, these first two methods, they're the only way I've taught public class in any situation for the last three years. Just these two methods. Working backwards from somewhere. So backwards design. Yeah. Right? And again, it's it's the exact same concept as a peak pose, but it's not limited to a class. And it's never limited to a pose. So it's not we are working towards one-legged upward-facing bow. It's like, no, we are working on one-legged backward bends. And we're doing them for an entire week. Right? Yeah. And then the following week. And the nice thing about this is the students of yours that are consistent, they see the evolution of content. They see the evolution of content and one way or another, you're, the students that know that you are thinking about their development and that you are smart and that you can kind of piece things together over a period of time, they're going to be drawn to that. And then the students that aren't consistent, I don't mean this negatively, but then it doesn't matter anyways. Yeah, that's true. Right? Because, be, right? <laughs> that's true. Because right? they don't know the difference anyway. Exactly. Right. So because this is always a sticking point, right? When I teach this, it's always a sticking point. It's like, wait, what if we're on the fourth week of something and someone only comes to that one class and it's like, so? Then it's like they're going to any other random class. Mm-hmm. So it's not a problem. It's this, the people that are consistent, they see the arc. The people that are not consistent, they drop into the spot. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because they're always just dropping into a spot. And it's not like these things, it's not like it's going to be some insider's club where, oh no, you have to be able to do one-legged whatever before you do this. And if you weren't here last week, you can't do it. So get out of here. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? It's still a balanced, comprehensive class. The other part about this is you get to give a little glimpse about next week. All right, everyone. So we worked on these things. Looking forward to seeing you next week because next week we're going to repeat some of this and then we're going to take it a little further. Again, that's further motivation. Like you look at any TV show, there's a recap at the beginning and then there's like a forecast at the end. Yeah. It's part of having a serial nature to something. It's like the little cliffhanger. Yeah. Second to last way. Again, bottom line being more consistent. So now we're going to take one step down from being structured. So so this is going to this is going to start to work a little bit more for those of you that are out there listening and hearing yourself being trapped or hearing yourself not being allowed to be spontaneous, right? Because a lot of yoga teachers including myself that we need a certain amount of spontaneity and creative artistic license in the moment, right? But I'll say this before I move on, which is being spontaneous and going off plan because you see something different or you feel something different or something takes you in the moment, that's fine. That's always fine. Being spontaneous and going off plan is always better than not having a plan. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just is. 
And, and the thing we have to remind ourselves is it's one thing if you are just on your own doing your own thing. It's another thing when you're leading others. So when you're leading others, you want to have some basic sense of what you're trying to teach and communicate and work with, mm-hmm. right? So, but but this is this is I think a way of utilizing what I'm discussing but with more open-endedness. Okay. Okay. Which is we're working backwards from regions of the body or we're working backwards from postures. Okay. We're doing that for about a month, but that's it. So, right? So we're not we're not specifically trying to progress the Bakasana family over a month and anterior core strength. We're not trying to progress back bends and spinal and hip flexor or hip extensor strength over the course of a month. We're not specifically saying a month out, where can I be? Okay, let me work backwards from there. Instead, we're just saying to ourselves, okay, every week, every class, I'm going to focus mostly on shoulder openers and back bends or hip openers and twists or core strengthening and arm balancing. And literally that's it, right? So you come in for about a month with a region of the body and a family of poses. And those are the things that you riff on. Those are the things that are the consistent component for a period of time of the body or a family of poses or and a family of poses. it can be either but it's almost always gonna work better if it's both okay because that's usually will because though because they inherently relate to each other so you might you might do something like shoulders and binds and twists so you're saying that you combine those things, but you don't necessarily teach the same exact sequence. You don't teach time. the same exact sequence. And again, you're not specifically trying to arrive at a certain outcome. Okay. You're not saying to yourself, a month out, I want everyone to be able to bind in Marichyasana 4. Mm-hmm. So what do I need to do week one? What do I need to do okay. week two? What do I need to do week three? What do I need to do week four? You're essentially saying, let me think about couple of parts of the body a part of the body and and a family of poses you could vary it right you could be like i'm going to focus on i'm just going to focus on shoulders and one week it's going to be binds the next week it's going to be strength the next week it's going to be arm overhead back bends the next week it's going to be arm behind me back bends so you can pick a part of the body you can pick a family of poses or you can coordinate them got it right so it can really be any of those but but you're but in this one again you're not you're not going in so much with as much of a plan and that plan doesn't stretch across time it only says like here are the variables i'm going to focus we're going to focus on hips for about a month we're going to do hip opening for about a month and in and in those hip openers for about a month we're going to also do a fair amount of forward bends and twists and and you want to stick with it you can keep a semi-consistent sequence, but you can also you can also just what I always think about this, and I know like we've talked about this similarly in the past. 
this is kind of like one of those cooking shows where you show up and you get two ingredients and you got to make, you have to make multiple courses with it. Okay. Right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So. The fourth one. The fourth one, which is the same as the third one, but with other focal points. So non-postural or physical dominant focal points. Mm -hmm. Here you're going in with more uh, metaphysical anchors. So you're going in with a philosophical concept. You're going in with a spiritual concept. You're going in with a mental or an emotional concept. You're going in and you're going to do four weeks on Patanjali. You go in, you're going to do four weeks on concepts of Buddhism. You're going to go in four weeks. You've been working with a life coach and they've been helping you with, you know, being steadfast and consistent and prioritizing and organizing. So you use those as psycho-emotional, spiritual concepts or anchors and then create content from there. Mm -hmm. So you, So in this situation, you aren't... In option number three, you're leading from having a sense of the overt physical. You're going to work with shoulders and binds. You may also talk about satyo or sure. whatever it is. Yep. It's just about, it's about your, I, what, I, what I always talk about in these sequencing trainings is doorways. Like what doorway are you walking in with? So in option three, you're walking in through the doorway of working shoulders and back bends. Let's see how they come together. I don't know how they're going to come together, but we're going to focus on that for a month. Let's go. This one, you're walking in thinking, yeah, we're going to do back bends and forward bends and twists and all these things, but I want to do four or five weeks on uh, the yamas or the niyamas. Or I want to do four or five weeks on... Right. The driver is... Yeah. <clears throat> the driver is non-physical. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The driver is non-physical. <clears throat> yeah. The focal point, the anchor, <clears throat> right? We, we see this in so many situations. We kind of need... I think about this even with regards to creativity. Being creative in a vacuum is really hard. It's much easier to be creative when you have something to solve or something to build or something to develop. So as yoga teachers, to develop our sequences, right, and to develop, to help our students develop their skills and to mature their skills, we have to have some anchors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we talked about the most obvious anchors, which is I'm teaching you pretty much set sequence for a month. Second way of doing it is I'm building out your postural vocabulary for about a month. Weeks one, two, three, and four, they're not necessarily going to be the same, but they're going to be pretty similar and they're going to progressively build on each other. Option three we're kind of doing away with option one and option two. We're stripping it down a little bit more. We're appealing a little bit more to people that like to be more freewheeling, mm -hmm. you know, and don't want to be like hemmed in too much. Right. Or there's stress about memorizing a sequence. Or yeah, something totally. Like that. Mm -hmm. Totally. <clears throat> sequences are the only thing I can memorize in my life. That's amazing. I don't know if you know this. I can teach any sequence and then 48 hours later, I can teach the exact same sequence. 
It's a weird thing. I can't remember. Is it my birthday? <laughs> um, so that option three is a little bit more stripped down. It's a little bit more open-ended. It's a little bit more get in there, kind of test the weather, just let it rip. But you you aren't letting, you aren't being completely random from week to week, okay? And then same thing, option four is option three. But the driver or the entrance or whatever it is, is more metaphysical. And then you build physical content around it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I wish that I had had these after I'd done my teacher training and I started teaching part-time because I think I was trying so hard for so long. I had, I had a sequence notebook and I was trying so hard to make sense of how to put things together in a way that was easier for me. And um, it's just, you've had 20 years of experience and are able to break it down for people. So it's great. This is this is one of the places where having my Virgo ADHD brain works really well. Because this is a place of hyper-focus and this is a place of an extreme inner need to organize things in yep. order to function. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how certain things have to be, I have to do certain things in order to function. Yeah. Right? So it's the same, it's a little bit the same thing is, as a yoga teacher, you, you're actually so overwhelmed with possibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. In sequencing, you're so overwhelmed with possibility that a lot of times we, in when we don't narrow the parameters, we actually become less creative because we have so many possibilities that we just kind of shut down and more or less do the same thing, but then maybe sort of change the playlist. It's also empowering, I think, for a teacher, right? To say, to, to, like you said, you're walking in with a plan. I'm the yeah. teacher and this is a plan. Whereas I think for me, when I didn't have that structure I was constantly instead projecting onto the students, is this working for them? Is totally. This, right? You're constantly second guessing yourself and trying to read, is, are they progressing? Is this yep. boring? Is this yep. this? So, and, and you're never going to know the answer to that. You won't. You, you're you won't. never going to be able to discern that. You will So not. it's better to sort of take back that power, so to speak, and just, or just like stand confidently in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't mention it at the top of the episode, but if you're listening, if this is the first, sequence, if you've made it this far, if this is the first sequencing podcast you're listening to, there's three previous ones. Are there really three or just two? Three. Okay. And um, and you're also offering your sequencing five day sequencing training. Three days. Sorry, sequencing three days sequencing training. But the vast majority of is of it is online. It's pre recorded. So even if you can't join me on those days, right? You're really not. Out and you have anything. access for six months. Yeah. So yeah. that's coming up in early October, October 8th through 10th. And you can find out more information or register at jasonyoga.com slash sequencing. This is the last, oh, and this is probably going to be the last uh, conversation about sequencing we'll have for a period of time. Yes. We'll switch to another subject. All righty. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Bye. If you would like to find show notes for this episode and find the other sequencing podcasts that we've done, you can go to yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 238. And as always, 
If you enjoy the podcast, it's super helpful when you share it on social media, share it with friends and family, uh, sign up for our newsletter, which you can do from our homepage, jasonyoga.com, or write a rating and review wherever you are listening to the podcast. Chances are it's iTunes or Spotify. Okay, until next week, enjoy your practice. <laughs>